The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I am Molly Balin. And I am Eric Deutsch. And we welcome back Eric's sister, Dr. Maddie Deutsch. Hello. <laughs> welcome back. Welcome to prison. Hello. Glad to be here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm orange as a new black over here. <laughs> <laughs> well... Minute 83, of which we are going to be talking about, is all about reconnections. And this minute begins with Snake and the crew running out of the World Trade Center and are picked up just in time by a character we haven't seen in quite a while. And by serendipity, Snake is reunited with the lost tape. (laughs) Can I just say a phrase, Molly, that I created specifically for Cabby just happening to pull up right here as they just happen to be running out? Yes, I would please. like to call this Deus Ex Cabina. Oh! <laughs> that would make an amazing shirt, actually. <laughs> With his face on it, that'd be yeah. incredible. <laughs> uh, it's one of those movie things, just like, wow! What timing! Well, I know! I, I, I mean, it's in line with, you know, everybody... I mean, how did Cabby... Everybody knows Snake. I'm sure you guys have covered that in previous yeah. minutes, but... How did he know Snake? He's a, he's appeared a couple of times kind of serendipitously out of nowhere, yep. you know? I wonder if he's just like a metaphor for, like, divine intervention. Mm-hmm. And I would say if this was Battlestar Galactica, that would be an excellent argument. <laughs> right. He's the ship of, the ship of lights. Mm-hmm. Um, Interestingly enough, in the shooting script, when they get in the cab, Cabby actually tells him, I couldn't let you down, Snake. I had to come back. Hmm. Um, mm. Which, but I don't, I don't think that that would work. To be honest with you, first of all, we've talked a lot on the show and, and many different episodes about how Molly and I really like how a lot of the stuff in this movie is just completely unexplained, and we like that. It's just like you know, who 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 needs to explain this stuff? It doesn't matter. Um, but so not only does does having that line would have including that line have killed that, but how would he have even known that that's where they were how it just it would i think it would have just been a, a bad line i'm glad they cut that out what is the number 40 on his taxi do we have, have you guys talked about any significance of that mm-hmm. we probably tried to i don't know if there is any and then can we just talk about how ernest borgnine i mean just let's just say his name <laughs> go ahead you you are one of many guests who specifically uh loves talking about Ernest Borgnine. Go right. Oh ahead. man. He I mean I don't really have anything else to say other than just like Ernest Borgnine. I mean <laughs> something else. We you know. We could get a movie with Ernest Borgnine, Donald Pleasance and Richard Hurd. Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody should have made that movie. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of a lot of our listeners, most likely because you're movie geeks like us, know who Richard Hurd is. Just in case anyone doesn't, uh, he's the alien leader John from the original V miniseries. He's Mr. Wilhelm on Seinfeld. He's been in a million things. He was in Get Out, 
uh, he plays the, um, the 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 old man who's basically the patriarch of of the whole family who creates the the process and the movie Get Out. I mean, and, it's uh, the three, yeah. Maddie and I sure. have long been big fans of Richard Hurd. Hmm. Yes. Well, you know, I don't know. I just love Ernest Borgnine too. And every time I see him in this movie, I, I can't help thinking of him in Airwolf. Well, I'll, you know what? In, in, your, in honor of you being on this week, I'll repeat what I did uh, quite a while ago. Um, I will do my Jan Michael Vincent saying his character's name on Airwolf. <laughs> <clears throat> Dom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Probably like 8% of our childhood was spent going back and forth trying to do our best Dom and so they get in the cab uh snake shoves cabby out of the way to take over uh another change from the draft script cabby keeps driving and snake just gets in next to him and once again molly president very emotional go 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 (laughs) and 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 not acting at all presidential you know he just he's just like you know gotta get out of here yeah it just you know he's completely uncalm under fire and not helpful either, <laughs> you know, because I think everybody really understands what's at stake here, you know? I mean, yeah, we understand like, we want to get going as fast as possible. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like the idiot fan at a baseball game that says, hit the ball! You know, it's like, yes, they know they have, we have to go. You don't have to yell at him, go, go. Well, it's interesting because it's a little out of character because when they're on the plane and, you know, he's giving this, like, advice, you know, it's suggestions on how to get into the asking them if they've tried things you know he sounds like he's leading a guided meditation he's like can you lift the door off the hinges what about lifting the door off the hinges you know and and now he's like screaming go 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 yeah it doesn't make any sense yeah the, well the, the duke has broken him you know we uh-huh. uh in the scene when he's getting shot at um chained up on the wall we talked right. about how just he's he's been in less than 24 hours PTSD. he's completely yeah. broken yeah yeah and to be fair he could have just been drunk on the plane you know (laughs) (laughs) i mean people like to you know it's flying is very stressful so you know maybe i mean i don't know that he was expecting anything to kind of go down i mean he's like hey i'm you know i got the briefcase like we're on our way like i can probably kick a few back (laughs) and just kind of chill out and you know this whole accord's going to take care of itself you know but Taking advantage of the free in-flight service. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I do love that Snake basically commandeers the cab here and moves Cabby over in his own domain to drive. Like, he's that much of an alpha male that he's like, you need to to move over. It doesn't even say it. Just he goes around, opens the door, and just shoves it. He He almost doesn't even shove him out of the way. He basically opens the door... And just starts getting in and sort of like the assumption of like, he's going to move out of my way because I'm going to get into his seat now. It's kind of sad because Cabby, other than, you know, Cabby has generally helped him, you know, other than when Cabby takes off when the Duke first comes, you know, like Cabby kind of saved him and then he pulls a gun on him. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cabby has been like sort of, uh, we've talked before about Cabby is like the one, you know, optimistic, chipper, upbeat person in this entire movie. Yeah. So yeah. Start- so there's a, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. Go, go, no, go. No, no. no, I just, just, you know, I just didn't think that he, I mean, I understand for the time period and, you know, that uh, he, he's going to go ahead and do a take charge kind of a thing. But, you know, the man's wounded, you know, so 
not like he's going to take a back seat because he's going to feel really, really wounded if he doesn't get to his, you know, location in about 23 right. minutes here. Right. But <laughs> so I understand the motivation, but, you know, still, you're right. Uh, Cappy's been nothing but helpful. And so this is his cab. And, and as we're going to see very shortly, he knows the limitations of his cab really well and is concerned about that. And, and yet, you know, I mean, it is kind of weird. Cause like, I don't know that I would have necessarily, if there's like a, a guy who's like coming at me, I don't know that I would move out of the way quick enough. I guess I don't want to be sat on by a stranger, but you know, <laughs> just is kind of funny. Especially because he said what he's been, I don't remember the exact number of years, but you know, he's like, I've been driving this cab for whatever he says, 20 years, 30, 30 years, years, whatever. I think. Yeah. You know, he even says he doesn't like leaving the cab out alone at night. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the cab is his baby. It's funny that we're sitting here talk the way that we're kind of going through this. We're like, yeah, a bunch of ex cons in a maximum security prison. And one of them has been kind and gentle and generous. And another one has taken advantage of them. How shocking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, heavens. I know it's a clutch at your pearls moment. <laughs> right. <laughs> So remember a few uh, minutes of movie time ago, we were like, hmm, interesting. Brain asked Romero where he got that hat from, and Romero said, I traded it to a cabbie for something. And we all were like, oh, I wonder if that'll be important later on. And now we get the payoff. We find out how Romero got the hat. We find out what he traded him for. It was the all-important cassette. Snake is back to having the all-important cassette. And, um... Takes the tape, he pops it in, he listens to it, and before we delve into the content of the tape, I must say that I always thought, until yesterday, when I was researching this minute, that this was Donald Pleasance's voice on the tape, which always really confused me about why they needed to get a tape with Donald Pleasance's voice on it somewhere when they have Donald Pleasance. But the subtitles just say man's voice, which has now left me to doubt that that is Donald Pleasance. And it's just someone who's droning on about sciencey stuff that sounds like Donald Pleasance. And I'm wondering what you two, did you two ever even think about who it was speaking? Or, you know, did it never even cross your mind to, to wonder about who that was? Oh, wow. I always just presumed it was the president. Okay, so you thought I thought it was thing. the president. Okay, so and that there was the same thing. and that it was just like a prepared statement that was so critical he didn't want to bungle it, mm-hmm. or it was like a plot vehicle that there was just no other way for them to do it. So they, so that's just the plot device, and that and you just kind of suspend your disbelief and accept. Yeah, but I never thought that it was like you know some science person who you know gave this presentation. I mean, unless it is the president and just whoever typed the subtitles <laughs> didn't know that and just wrote man's voice. Mm. We're putting a lot of faith in whoever typed the subtitles. True. Well, yeah, that's possible because, you know, that's, the, you know, subtitle people are not necessarily like rabid fans of the movies. You know, they have like four movies they have to subtitle today and they just right. kind of power through. Right. Uh, so let's let's get to the content on this tape. So what we hear said after Snake presses play on this awesome futuristic tape recorder is the discovery that tritium creates only one one millionth of the biological damage of iodine. 
Snake already stops and he just he has this look on his face like I can't stomach listening to any more of this, which is really great. Um, and so, incredibly serendipitously, it worked out that the week we are having my sister on happens to be a doctor, and actually might be able to enlighten us a bit on the uh, legitimacy of this sentence. Interesting. Well, um, so there's a couple of uh, things. So what they're uh, talking about, and I, I'm no nuclear physicist. Yes. <laughs> you know? Damn it, Eric, I'm a doctor, not a nuclear physicist. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> Molly and I aren't doctors, so you know, you're the most qualified in this episode. Uh, tritium is a hydrogen atom uh, that has two extra, well, it doesn't have two extra, it has two neutrons in its nucleus. So a molecule of hydrogen is, uh, or a molecule of tritium is three times as heavy as, uh, as a molecule of, um, of hydrogen. It has the same chemical properties. It's just uh, the nucleus has extra neutrons in it. And so um, because of those neutrons being there, it makes the nucleus what's called unstable, which means over time the, those neutrons will leave the nucleus, and when they leave, they emit radiation. And so that's kind of how radioactive things work, is they have what are called unstable nuclei, and that causes them to, those nuclei kind of degrade over time, and when they degrade, they emit radiation. And so iodine... I think it was 132. I forget which what it was, but iodine is one of the products of like nasty nuclear fission, which mm. um, is the is the process of splitting uranium and plutonium atoms into like smaller things like iodine and cesium and a bunch of other nasty stuff um, that's radioactive. And those things, first of all, last for like thousands of years, mm. uh, emitting radiation. Like the the radiation is emitted emitted slowly over like thousands of years, and there's like a ton of radiation. Um, and iodine is particularly bad because in the body, iodine goes right to the thyroid where it concentrates, and it basically sets up shop and stays there. Mm. And um, so then you get thyroid cancer, and that's why like um, uh, when. I see a new patient uh, coming to see me and they're from like um, Eastern Europe or like the Caucasus and they're like uh, anything over like 25 or 30 years old. I do extra diligence for thyroid disease because of the Chernobyl incident. Mm. Um, so I, and then tritium, so tritium, it, it could be in, in, uh, included in a water molecule. I don't know exactly what they're talking about. Um, like there's some other fission bomb that they probably created that that um, results in um, in uh, tritium, or it could be that it's a, a fusion bomb, which is uh, like a hydrogen bomb, and that might be using tritium. But in any in either case, clearly what they're saying is that this whatever bomb that they're talking about, instead of emitting iodine, which like causes horrible deaths and stays around for generations. Um, the tritium, it, it only lasts in the, in the body for like a few days because the body turns over its water very quickly and the tritium would be the, the version of hydrogen that's in a water molecule. And so, and then the tritium, the half-life is only like 10 years as opposed to like a lot longer for nasty things like iodine. So 
Um, I remember when we were kids before I like knew how nuclear bombs worked that um, I remember thinking it was interesting. I'm like, what's with the iodine? Because like when we were kids, Eric, remember anytime you get a cut, dad would come running with his bottle of iodine and put it all over <laughs> you. you <know? laughs> so I was like, what do you mean? I- are they pouring iodine on people? I didn't understand. So, so that was, um, yeah. So that's, you know, that's my armchair nuclear physics. Any, any like, any nuclear physicists listening to this out there, you know, I'm a doctor, not a nuclear physicist. Yes. <laughs> well, it's interesting, um, you know, with, with you, with what, the way you were explaining it when the focus on, on the bombs, um, way back early on in the movie when they were briefing Snake on the mission, uh, we mentioned how in the draft script, it's not a cassette tape that is with the president, but it's documents from the Department of Energy. And what Hauk tells Snake in the draft script is, we found an energy source, totally synthetic, easy to produce. We're going to offer it to the Soviets and Chinese. They'll have to take it under our conditions. And of course, when you know Snake asks him, you know, what's on you know the tape? What happens if the summit ends? Hauk says, you know anything about nuclear fusion? And Snake's like, all right, all right, whatever. And we had a whole discussion on if Hauk was implying there will be a nuclear war, or because they cut that line out from the movie about finding the energy source, if they were still keeping it as the energy source, because tritium is also used to generate electricity and atomic batteries. And it's also the stuff that's used for like um, luminescence and emergency exit signs and watches that glow in the dark and gun sites and stuff like that. Hmm. And so it, it, it could go either way. It could even mean they could be using it for both in the movie universe. Um, so it's just interesting to think about that whole finding something that has one one millionth of the effect of iodine. It could mean, okay, a nuclear weapon, but that will cause less damage so you know we can minimize civilian deaths. Or it could mean an energy source that won't have so many negative side effects. That's interesting. I mean, I had never thought of that. And what's sad is um, that's probably more likely. I mean, I just think that like, the context in which this movie came out was right. the height of the cold war. And like, anytime somebody talked about anything nuclear, the assumption, you know, because of the PTSD of growing up, you know, in the eighties, um, you would assume that I assumed that it was like a nuclear bomb and that they were talking about some kind of arms treaty that would result in like making bombs less lethal. Um, for this ongoing war that they're having. Right, which is what I always thought too, and still I started delving into background for this podcast. Epiphany. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so uh, as I said, Snake's bored. He stops the tape pretty quickly, and I really love how the president's, all right, you know, hand it over. It's like, eh, not just yet. Yeah, I don't know why he would ever think anyone would give him anything at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I was uh, interested in the tapes, like the actual tapes. <laughs> Pardon me. Oh, of like what Cabby has just, in there? I'm going I'm to mute for one second. Hold yeah, on. Right. Yeah, we'll pause. We'll let this out. I mean, the tapes all look fairly generic. Um, they're like the same brand. Yeah. And they have like the same sticker label. Yeah. The, the, um, the tape is literally the exact same tape as Cabby's tapes. Right, and like none of them are labeled. Yes, um, I made the same like, quote. <laughs> how, how did 
how did um, how did these tapes of the same brand that that some like government contract bought in bulk? <laughs> how, how, I mean, maybe they got into the commissary of the prison. I mean, we don't really know much about like the commissary or like what how supplies are taken in or if they have any access to you know. But you know, maybe the government bought a zillion of these cassette tapes and they're contracted to the federal prisons and to the Department of Energy and everything. But I thought it was weird that none of them were labeled and that they were all the same brand. And Eric, you and I had millions of tapes in the 80s. And like, it was always some different brand, whatever crap they sold at the CVS, <laughs> you know, that yep. week. Yep. And then there'd always be like, you'd like, the label would peel off and you would write the name of something else and you'd get some scotch tape and put another label and then you'd paint it. And so I thought that was interesting too. Yeah. How is, I, unless cabbie, unless there are just no pens or pencils in the prison, I don't know why cabbie wouldn't label the tapes. Although I will say that seems like a very cabbie thing to do <laughs> that. He just knows the feel of the tape. <laughs> And doesn't feel the need to actually label them like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, I know that, like, yeah. Or maybe I, he's just like fun loving in that way. And it's like, whatever, <laughs> whatever goes in is good. He is the eighties embodiment of shuffle play. <laughs> <laughs> there is a great look between Maggie and brain at about 43, 44, 45 second mark after they, they figure out, okay, here's the tape. Here's how Cabby got it. Good, we have the tape. Snake's not going to kill me because I wasn't lying about getting him the tape. And it's just, you know, it's just this, once again, Brain has somehow talked his way out of getting killed. And Maggie even looked like, oh, how do you keep doing this? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I just didn't, I did not catch that. But the, the like, what? The appalled look <laughs> on her face is amazing. <laughs> so, uh, We've been talking about Cabby's tapes and uh, what Cabby might be listening to as he spends his years stuck in Manhattan prison. And it made me wonder if we were all stuck in Manhattan prison. Manhattan, of course, is an island. And it might not be the desert, but basically by the time you're, it, this is turned into Manhattan prison, it may as well be a desert. And of course, back in the 80s when this movie was made, there was a big deal of people doing your desert island discs. What are the 10 discs you would take with you if you're stranded on a desert island? And I wondered, you know, if, if so if we were all in Manhattan prison and we were cabbie and we had enough room on our dashboard with our real state-of-the-art tape recorder to have 10 cassettes with us, what would our... 10 desert island manhattan prison cassette albums be and before we go into this i'm just going to state that i bet you i have heard of maybe four bands total that maddie and molly will be mentioning uh, (laughs) i'm just so excited to hear what your 10 are because i've been trying to think today like what what would be what would be music that really touches Eric that he'd want to take with him? And I'm like, you know, what if he says something like the Scorpions? Like, how am I going to handle that? You know, like Rocky, like a hurricane has some really deep emotional meaning for him. And I'm sorry, Maddie, if that's on your yeah. list. <laughs> well, no, it, it's not on mine, but I'll tell you that growing up with Eric, I think there's probably like a 40 to 50% chance that the Scorpions are going to wind up on his desert island disc. <laughs> Scorpions are not on my desert island disc. I don't even own a Scorpions disc. (laughs) Uh, Eric Eric will get a kick out of the fact that 
you know how so, like you know when you go to like your um your high school reunion and like people for who haven't seen you in 20 years they kind of still like are referencing things that were about you like 20 years ago you're still like frozen in time like that you know <laughs> mm-hmm. so like I think Eric probably suspects that my desert island disc list is going to be like what I was listening to when I drove him to school every day when I was a senior and he was a freshman made him listen to the same Grateful Dead album every day for for like an entire year. <laughs> so, Eric, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised that there's no Grateful Dead. <clears throat> uh, Excuse me, no, no Grateful Dead on my Desert Island disc list. No, no. I, if anything, I think I, I don't think that at all. I think that you're going to have ten discs that are the stuff you're into now that I have never heard of. I mean, maybe you might have like one classic rock, but I, I think it's going to all be that uh, you know the the kraut rock and or whatever craft work or whatever. I don't even know what I'm talking about. With yeah, craft work. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so you two might have crossover. <laughs> Eric, I think you should go first. All right, okay, yeah, it was my idea. All right, I'll go first. Okay, so uh, the Beatles are by far my favorite al- uh, group, and so I had to go with two Beatles albums out of the ten, uh, uh, which was, of course, very difficult to do, but I went with Help and the White Album. Oh, nice. Uh, then the, the rest are in no particular order here. Uh, I have a best of, a, a double CD best of David Bowie. Uh, I'm going with that. Uh, I'm going with Last Splash by The Breeders. Uh, I'm going with King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime by Faith No More. Uh, I gotta have one rap album, so I'm going with Liquid Swords by The Jizza. Uh, Back to Classic Rock, Houses of the Holy by Led Zeppelin. Uh, 90125 by Yes. And then two soundtracks. Of course, the Star Wars soundtrack, since my whole life is Star Wars. (laughs) And of course, anyone who listened to my previous podcast knows this one, the Flash Gordon soundtrack. Nice. Interesting. You got a couple of double albums in there. Is that is that allowed? Because I, I, I you know, my list has eleven on it because I decided that I was going to go up to eleven. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I, I I couldn't whittle it down below that, and I said I can justify it by going up to eleven. But if you got a couple of double albums, uh, and I think I, I can get away. If I if I not if if I have to eliminate, then okay, the white album I would take the first of the 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 first album of the two white albums. And for the Bowie double album, I would take the first of those two also. I think you can take both. I think you can have the full, the double album. We, I think the judges will allow that. Nice. Yeah. And I think that Manhattan may become a desert island in the not too distant future, depending on what uh, climate change does, you know? That's so, true. All right. Who wants to go next? I think Maddie should go. Okay. All right. Well, you were kind of on the mark, Eric, with a, a little bit of this, but um, let's see. So this is in no particular order. In fact, it's alphabetical because I went through my playlist. Um, the Beatles, Past Masters Volume 2. Ah. This is a nice smattering of a number of their singles. It's basically the Hey Jude album that was originally mm, released right. in the U.S. Brian Eno, Here Come the Warm Jets. Uh, let me just state that my wife, Maddie's sister-in-law, predicted that Maddie would have a Brian Eno album on her list. <laughs> she knows me well. Um, Kraftwerk, Computer World. Ah, nice. <laughs> La Dusseldorf, Dusseldorf, Penthouse by Luna, Gyrate by Pylon, Hemispheres by Rush, because ah, I couldn't make go. it through yeah. Couldn't make it through a Desert Island disc list without a Rush album. Spiritualized songs in A and E. 
Stereolab transient random noise bursts. Uncle Tupelo, no depression. And rounding it out, the Who Quadrophenia. Nice. Thank you, Molly. I'm looking forward to hearing yours. As am I. Um, I, I think I did a lot of like albums that have some kind of uh, no, like an emotional connection for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so in no particular order, The Racer by Tom York. Uh, War by U2, Insides by Orbital, Mezzanine by Massive Attack, Automatic for the People by R.E.M. Oh. Yeah, classic. Uh, Spirit Chaser by Dead Can Dance, Playing the Angel by Depeche Mode, and uh, my my hard rock is uh, a Best of the Rolling Stones album, Uh, Anima by Tool, and rounding it out is The Downward Spiral by Nine Inch Nails. That is an interesting spread, and I'm war by you two. That is a fantastic desert island disc. Yes, it's Molly, a solid I, I, album. Yeah, I will make sure to let Allison know that one too because you two is her favorite band. Is it really? Yes. It oh is. my god, I have a total you two story. Okay. Okay, so like really, really quick, and you can tell her this. So, okay. um, they lost. They had started to work on. I want to say it would have been October. But Bono lost the lyrics and he had gone for years after and like concerts like, hey, does anybody know? And he actually lost in the Pacific Northwest. So I have a good friend of mine, Danielle Ram, and she had uh, a friend of hers who had found a box of stuff in her attic in a house she was renting. And when Danielle looked at it, she's like, wow, this really this kind of looks like the stuff, right? So somehow she got connected with a friend of Bono's, sent pictures over that got back to Bono. And sure enough, there's like a box of like pictures and passports and like letters between him and his wife. And they're authentic. And she actually got them back to Bono and was like publicly thanked at a a concert in Seattle. It was like a whole thing. So that's my. Oh, yeah. That will blow my wife's mind. I think I read that somewhere, actually. I feel like that story might have, like, that sounds like a familiar story. Was that something that got out, like, into the media? It was, yeah. 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 It was, like, a thing, because they had to redo the album, because he lost the beginnings of it. And it was October was the album? I believe it was October that they were trying to do. All right, there's your your music minute, listeners. (laughs) Post your your Desert Island 10 on our Facebook page, and uh, we'll all debate it i don't know <laughs> all righty well uh as i said um go to facebook brains library the escape from new york minute hangout tell us about your desert island 10 tell us about your thoughts on tritium and iodine any nuclear physicists out there tell us uh, if we got the science correct uh go on twitter ny minute pod subscribe to us if you haven't already because the show's almost over uh give us a nice rate <laughs> and a nice review molly and i love those and so until next time Be on time, stay out of the sewers, and we'll meet you on the other side of the wall. Mm